This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So the um, plan for any given season is set out well ahead of time. And we will still be working on um, uh, this idea of what it means to form groups and what that looks like, forming, storming, norming, all that. I also want to, I had this covered while the little ones were here because of our chaos last time. But there are indeed marshmallows underneath this. And I want us to continue to um, explore with this. And your covenant group, uh, worship team, we, we squeaked away without getting it done, but we should do it next time we meet. Um, we had actually um, no excuses. Oops, I'm just about to make an excuse. No excuses. I already have one of these in my office. If you even want to make one yourself just for fun, plus one in your covenant group, just let me know. We can, we, we can uh, evaluate and have two two gestures of respect, one for the person who makes the tallest tower uh, just by themselves and the other for their group. But what you need is 20 spaghetti sticks, one marshmallow, one yard of tape, and one yard of string, and the instructions are out there. And it is a an opportunity for us to explore our adaptability, explore our ways of trying new things, and to do that together and, and what that feels like. So I was going to talk about the storming part today, the storming part when you're in the middle of a project and it stops feeling so good. I was, uh, took an art class um, years ago, and I, what I learned was there was a part in every painting that I hated, where I just hated it, because I was fighting that gap between what I had envisioned it would be and what God was drawing out. And once I stopped fighting that, something actually pretty wonderful happened. But as a human being, for me, it's really hard to be in that space. But I don't want to talk about that today. But I do want to honor that that's our process. And we'll talk about the wineskins and the new wine next week. I had a struggling week. I had a struggling week because there were some hard decisions to be made. Actually, hard conversations to be had, not necessarily even any decisions to be made, but hard conversations to be had. And for me, my heart was hurting. And I struggled with... um, all the things we humans struggle with, right? how is, where is the greatest good in this? Where is Christ in this? Where am I in this? Where am I in some of these conversations? There is um, Tuesday dinners that we have, and I had this moment of great love and great pain um, as we're providing for getting the meal ready um, people come up to the campus, all different kinds of folks with all kinds of different needs, and they're on all different kinds of spaces. And there was this one couple that came up, and um, I don't know where they had been, but they had 
come from very far away, either far from heart or far from physical or far from soul. And that hardness um, could be seen. Uh, one of them was barefoot. Their clothes were quite um, worn. Um, their hair was in a state of um, neglect. Um, it was a really a moment of terrible distress. And they were in distress. And I asked, have you eaten today? And we're not supposed to give food out before the meal starts. But sometimes there's opportunities for grace. And we're working all that out. But even though their distress was so clear and their situation was so dire and I didn't know where they had come from or where they would go next, I felt this great love for them. This tremendous love. As I struggled with today, I realized I didn't want to talk about the conflicts that come when you're trying to do something together as a team, the, the norming, storming was today. I don't want to talk about that. My heart wants to talk about love today. My heart wants to talk about where we see God today. My heart wants to talk about, reconnect to why we're here and why we do this today. Recognizing how good we are, how much we care how much we want to do everything that we can for our neighbors and for those we care about, and even for those who we see as our enemies. Right? The Bible tells us that, to love our enemy. Because, you know, in some ways you could say there are no enemies. Just we get lost in the moment. So... Uh, the sermon got wrote a couple of times, wrote it a couple of times, and I, I struggle with the sort of mystical part of myself, um, how hard that can be to translate out. And when I start talking too mystically, too abstractly, um, people get lost and frustrated, and I don't want to frustrate people. So I'm going to read from um, Simeon the New Theologian, Nine, he was born in 949. He's a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and he talks about love this way. He says, Love came down, as is its way, in the appearance of a luminous cloud. I saw it fasten on me and settle on my head, and it made me cry out, for I was so afraid. And so it flew away and left me alone. Then how ardently I searched for it, and suddenly, completely, I was conscious of it present in my heart, like a heavenly body. I saw it like the disk of the sun. It closed me off from the visible and joined me to invisible things. It gave me the grace to see the uncreated. Or if I could take the liberty of rewriting that last line, it gave me the grace to see what was possible, what God had already made possible in the love of God. Too often we feel separated from God's love. I feel separated 
from God's love, even me who's so greedy for that, who spends all my time trying to live in that as much as possible. I fall so short. But God's love, I know, is everywhere and in every presence. Yesterday on waking, I had this sense, and I wrote, love is where you love so much that you can feel God's presence is in and throughout you, revealing every bit of what you are. It is an experience where you can fe really feel your you-ness, and you can also feel God as God in the world and creation around you. It is as if you've become a see-through entity, like a jellyfish in warm water, held together by existence alone, inseparable from everything that holds you, even as you hold this see-through, melt-through, divine love of God. You realize that the love that is God is in your cells, even as each cell has a distinct purpose and life, God is there. And as your cells divide, the messy biology of that, in closing your eyes, you discover that God is between every cell, vast and eternal, effortless, both weightless and weighty, holding you all together, opening to you fully to all the things that exist because of God, because God touches all things, and God touches you. God has gifted you with you. God has not so overwhelmed you with the power of God's own love, as perfect and great as that is, that you become something else or drown away from what you are. But you still feel you as you, and because you see yourself in that moment as God sees you, fully and completely you, that you see your own completeness and actualness, the real you, not some mirage, not some hope of what you might someday be, but the real you that exists with every breath, the real you that is every flaw, every flaw of yourself, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, as you reckon with the you that God sees and loves. There, in your full nakedness, wishing you could be more perfect just for God's sake, just because of the beauty and care and love that you feel, if you could somehow equal that love or even impossibly be worthy of it. I'm sorry for the abstractness of that. But to pull it back maybe to a little more detail, I think about when my children were young. Um, they would wake up in the morning and we would want to sleep a little longer. And so we'd coax them into the bed with us. And they'd pile in and the cats would at first huff off, right? No cat wants to be in the middle of a squirming two-year-old and a three-year-old. But then things would settle, and the children would rest, and the cats would creep back, 
And the bed would be even warmer now for more people in it. And they'd curl up and they'd start to purr. And my husband, he snores a little just to tell on him a little bit. And there would be peace. And we'd be together. And there was this feeling of inseparability. And yet we were all still us. And all the flaws and imperfections, they rested for a while while we were together in a moment of great love. Us weird, funny, rascally humans all at once. That is the love of God, is it not? In so many ways, when things go well. And I'm thinking that you have a story too about where the love of God is for you. Where have you felt or seen the love of God? And I actually, I actually want to invite you to tell me. I want to invite a couple of you to share, mindful of the time. Is anybody willing to share where they have seen or felt the love of God? Is anyone brave enough? Are you okay to stand? In nature. In nature. My family and I have always um, done trips in a motorhome and 120,000 miles in 20 <laughs> years. And we, we've been to all kinds of places and we like to swoop, which is you just kind of pull over and off the road and into the trees and sleep. So when you wake up, everything's quiet and nature is there. The birds, eagles. Oh my God, the first time I saw an eagle, I thought I'd die. I mean, it's just... Anytime you're in nature. Thank you. Does anyone else want to share where they have seen love? It's been a few years since I lost my mom. And I went to Florida to help my sister. And God gave us two precious years. But every time I come in this church, I focus on that. Because even with dementia and aging and processing into the final moments at night, we would get down on our knees and we would say the Lord's Prayer together. And the peace that I found, the gift that God gave me of those two years with my mother, is just precious. And I look at that and I go, the Lord's Prayer has the most meaning in my life ever. Thank you. Well, God's love is just around me constantly. And this week, I was so pleased and filled with warmth as the people around me helped support me and were giving me ideas of what they could do to help me better be a farmer, better be a uh, useful person to others in the community, and, and how important it is to be who I am and to be able to share what I have with others. Thank you. I have seen the love of God in the number of businesses that have um, 
extended themselves to raise money for the families of the three girls that were killed in a head-on collision. Um, it just amazes me how many people have reached out to those families in love. Thank you. Anyone else want to share where they have seen the love of God, where they feel God's love? Every time I go to a walk to Emmaus, um, there is four days where people are all focused on learning more about God, about serving God, about loving each other, uh, without any kind of judgment, without any kind of um, holding back because you're different than I am. It's a blessed four days. Amen. I feel God's love in this church with the people every time I walk through the doors. Amen. Amen. Anyone else want to share? Well, I feel love's, I feel God's love every time I go to the school where my grandson goes to school and they run out of the door and, Nana, Nana, can you take us to play basketball? <laughs> you know, and it's just the joy and the love that they, these 10-year-olds surround themselves in with each other is just, it is beautiful. Well, I feel God's love every time I sing. And especially when I sing here in the church. And um, I've been blessed to be in the choir, and I just want to keep that up. I consider myself one of the lucky people who drive a school bus. Um, I have been watching my middle schoolers and as I watch them and the care they're having for each other at the end of the school year here is just amazing. I saw one gentleman have a problem and he was looking really low and really depressed. And I watched the rest of my bus people come together, support him, care about his, his needs at that moment. And it was just amazing what God was doing through a bunch of middle schoolers. <laughs> Amen. Peggy, did you? Where there's so many things that I could share, but this one came to me that I haven't thought of for years. <laughs> when I was a young mom, I had four kids, and my husband was in the Air National Guard, so he was gone over the weekend doing flying, <laughs> flying around. And um, I had gone to my son's baseball game, and there was a fellow there who, we didn't use the word homeless in those days because when I was a young mom in Libby, Montana, we really didn't have 
people who were homeless. We were, it was a, a more economically stable time. Well, in the church, I was always taught that you would be kind to one another. And we had people in and out of our home. So, of course, I invited him to my house. <laughs> and I, the kids and I piled into the car. And I got home and I thought, well, is this a good idea? How is God? <laughs> and I don't know this fellow. But he was really quiet and nice. And he said, you have a piano. And I said, we certainly do. Do you play the piano? He said, I used to play, but my hands are crippled with arthritis. And I said, well, go ahead and try. And he picked up the hymnal and started playing through our hymnal and singing. And I discovered that, you know, he had gone to church. He had been a part of our faith body, not there in Libby. But it was just a precious time. And he stayed with us overnight. And I started worrying, oh my gosh, you know, it's safe for me to have my little kids here and this person whom I do not know. <laughs> Then I heard something rolling around in my kid's room, my son's room. What is he doing? And my son had weights in there. He had rolled them against the door so that our dogs wouldn't come in and scare him during the night. But in the morning, he had just vanished. He went through the window, apparently, and I never saw him again. But I heard something like angels whispering to me about that. Thank you, Peggy, for that amazing story. I think we have time for one more. I felt the love um, of God in the room of memorial a service for Alberta Appinus. Her family spoke of Alberta's love and how she spread her love around different people in small ways. And it was made, the point was made from all the family members that it isn't, you don't have to do something very glorious and outstanding to show love. Just little bits of love here and there for strangers or neighbors or anybody you meet on the street is a way of sharing love. And that was what Alberta did all the time. Thank you. I imagine all of us have a story. Some of us may uh, have gotten brave enough to share. And during fellowship, I don't need that. What am I doing? I'm <laughs> during fellowship, if we can um, share with each other and remember that no matter how when we guide, uh, journeys are tough. Uh, that there's so much more that unites us, so much more to focus on the love of God, the glitter of God, the holy ground of God, that our care for each other, in caring for each other, is, is the most important part of all. Thank you.
Let us just reflect for just a moment. 